course creators are like are authentic. They are experts. They understand what they're doing. I think people like us are driving this. So I think large businesses will have to adopt and become more authentic because the small businesses are doing it because it's it, it's it's the way that you compete. Any new business, if you're starting on day one, the one thing you could do that no one else could do is is put all your time and effort into customers, you know, and and be yourself and be unique. And that it sounds like everyone could do that, but but they don't. And it's actually again, it's quite a, quite a unique thing that you know that that is personal to you. Customers love to know that you will go the extra mile for them and that they can trust you. You're listening to Matt Barnett, my special guest on today's episode of the Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast. Now, before I introduce you to Matt, can I ask you a quick question? When you send an email to your audience or try and engage with a new lead for your business, does it ever feel like you're kind of talking with your imaginary friend? Like there's no one on the other end of your messages who actually cares about what you have to say? I know, I've been there in my own journey as an entrepreneur. It's not fun. And if you can relate to this, I have a feeling that you're going to love what you'll hear in my conversation with Matt. You see, Matt is the founder of an awesome company called Bonjoro. If you're not familiar with it, Bonjoro is a tool that can help you create personalized videos that will amaze your audience, leads, and customers. And what Matt has discovered over the years is that using this type of personalized video is one of the most effective ways for you to actually create meaningful connections and relationships with the people in your audience. So if you're still wondering how you can turn those anonymous visitors on your site or email list into engaged customers and raving fans, this episode is for you. So without further ado, let's get to it. As always, I'm your host, Eric Turnison, and this is episode 149 of the Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast. Hey, Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Eric, great to be here. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you about this. You are the founder of a company called Bonjoro. And I'm really excited to talk to you about this because I feel like there's many angles to what your company does and offers that is really relevant to this time right now. But before we get into all those specifics, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and the background of the company and what you do? Sure. So I'm a designer by trade out of the UK. I moved to Australia about 10 years ago and fell into the tech industry, which I guess was kind of just getting going properly here. Australia's a many years behind the rest of the world, <laughs> uh, being out where it is. And tried a few different things to get started, had various successes. We ended up with an agency and with an agency, trying to convert leads that were in the UK, New York and London. We weren't very good at writing content. I'm not a great writer myself, but I'm pretty good, good in person. And so to engage those inquiries, we started recording videos whenever we had a lead come in overnight. So I used to take a boat to work, which was pretty handy. So I'd take a ferry that would go past the opera house. So pretty good, nice. pretty good background. And I would put on my phone and record a video for, you know, Wes from Ogilvy in London who signed up and I would personalize it to him. Say, hey, where's Matt here from the, from the, from the team in Australia? Saw you sent last night. I see that you do X, Y, Z, that you live in Epham. In London, I used to live around there myself, blah, blah, blah. Look, obviously I'm in Australia, you're in London, but I will be over there in about six weeks. We'd love to come in and say hi and, and kind of share what we do. And we send these videos out and we tripled our response rate like straight away. Wow. I think the Opera House helped, uh, but people basically <laughs> replied. The general reply was, can't really understand what you're saying because it's too windy, <laughs> but <laughs> we stand half asleep. However... I heard you mention that you work with, you know, these brands and that you'll be in London in six weeks. And this is pretty hilarious. So like, yeah, yeah come on and see us. So the question is, when you did fix your audio and you started sending videos out and people could actually hear you, did it 
increase your response rates more or did it decrease? I don't think it made a huge difference. I mean, this is the funny <laughs> thing. I think it wasn't the wonderful pitch. It was the fact that I was taking the time and they were just inquiry. Right. Obviously taking the time out of my day to get in touch with them. It was quite unique as well, which helped. I was always quite excitable because, you know, that's who I am. And so I think people just enjoyed it and they saw it and they thought, look, this is someone who potentially we would like to work with. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really matter too much what I was saying. I think, you know, this is, this is communication. You pick up 90%, like get rid of all the words. You can still kind of understand someone. Right. You still work out if you like them, if you want to work with them, if they're your kind of person. Right. And that just seemed to shine through. Long story short, we, we let one of those clients use this video email tool and then, and then one of their clients used it and then one of their customers used it. And then me and my CTO were having beers on a Friday. I mean, we were, we were a small startup. And I looked at him and I'm like, you know, we're going to have to build this. And he was like, he just kind of like sighed and he was like, yeah, I know, man. <laughs> he had so much on his plate. He's like, he's like, we really shouldn't try and do two businesses at once. And I was like, well, I think this is, this is the one that we should do. Nice. He's like, yeah, me too. And so we, we kind of just started building it from there. We've just kind of learned. And how long ago was that? That was 2017. Okay. So just over three years now. Yeah. It kind of took over the first business within about 12 months. Mm-hmm. And now we're like the team spread around six countries. So it went pretty quick. That's awesome. It was a happy mistake. I think that's how he put it down to. I think that those are the most trustworthy things, you know, because we didn't have as much to do with it starting. So there's less chance that it's, we're messing it up in some way. You know, Member Mouse started in a similar way. Like I had built membership software for this other business that I was working on and I had no intention of releasing it. And then people started asking, hey, like, what are you using to do your membership? And I was like, oh, something I built, but you can't use it. But people kept asking and, and you know, similar situation, you know, you, yeah. you kind of get the message. Okay, maybe I should be doing this. You know there's a need there. And it's interesting, so many other teams out there who are building things to solve their own problems. And they're, and they're right. running other businesses. And I'm like, actually, just look, look, look at the things that you're solving. Those are probably the, the more valuable products, the more valuable offerings. Yeah. Now, our audience is primarily made up of online entrepreneurs who are building businesses around content and communities. And a lot of them create online courses, memberships, subscription products, etc. So... How do you think creating personalized video can help them with some of the issues they may be facing, like decreasing churn, encouraging high email engagement rates, keeping people involved in their community, et cetera? So we've ended up having a lot of online course creators. And the caveat is it wasn't an industry I understood until we, until we started to get people coming on and using us for that. Where they tend to use us is, so activation is key. And this leads on to the other parts of the funnel. So so essentially, when you have your first, it's either paid course members, or if your funnel is smaller than just anyone coming in and let's say downloading the first free course, one of the challenges is obviously getting people to activate on that course in the first place. And so what I mean here is that they've obviously gone and downloaded it or they paid you or they come on board, but they're not necessarily actually consuming that course. And you'll lose a lot of customers because of this. And this isn't just, just courses. This is, this is to a lot of online businesses as well. You know, we see the same thing. When it comes to tackling churn, actually, this activation is is absolutely crucial because you will lose people quite quickly who have all the intention of engaging with the course, but just get sidetracked by everything else in life. And if you can save those users or portion of those, and you can keep them active in the first you know week, even first couple of weeks, then 
they'll give the course a proper chance and then they won't churn. And in fact, then they're more likely to go and buy secondary courses and tertiary courses. So what we found is that if you step in, generally after someone's come on board a first course, paid or otherwise, mm-hmm. if you're able to tell if that person's engaging or not, this is useful because potentially if someone's highly engaged, you don't necessarily need to go as personal. But if someone's not engaged, then I would say what you do is you reach out and the person has a message and say, you know, hey, Mary, saw you signed up, saw you down the court course, but, but you haven't started going yet. Just want to check in. Yeah, first of all, say thank you for coming on board, but see if there's anything you need to get going. My suggestion is that the easiest way to get started is to do X. Mm-hmm. And you give them a very, very small hurdle to go and complete that you know that if they complete that one small thing, the chance of them then continuing is much higher. Obviously, there's a few things in here. I, I think you need to work out what that hurdle is. So what is it you know that there is the minimum ask that will get them engaged to the next step rather than saying, go and read the whole thing. Right. It's small steps there. If you do that at that stage, the fact that you are a course creator also has this unique piece that essentially you are influencer. You know, you have fame because you're the person that wrote the course or that created the course, which a lot of businesses don't have. They don't have the personal brand behind it. So when you do this, people are like, oh my God, wow, that's, that's Andy from the course. Right. And then you'll get off the back of that just simple law reciprocation when people will go, this is amazing. Andy took the time. I'll do what he said. Right. I'll go and do that. Yeah, yes, yes. I'll be mean to do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go and do it now. So really, that is, I think, the key is really this activation piece. You know, we talk about churn. If you can activate more customers, you will lead to lower churn down the line anyway. There's obviously, you know, a point to be said for reaching out to lapsed users as well, people who maybe have been engaged and then they've become less engaged, if you're able to tell that that's a point to potentially reach out again and just check in and see if you can help. These points of reaching out, by the way, I'm talking like a 30-second check-in. This is not a long conversation. Right. So in terms of when you're choosing to insert these personalized videos, I got the sense that the examples you gave, you're listening to a particular metric, like, oh, this person hasn't engaged with this yet, or they've canceled, or they've perform some action which we know indicates they're basically not going in the direction that you know we would like them to go. And so we'll reach out at this point and do a personalized video. Do you also see that some customers just as a part of their onboarding flow just always do a personal, personalized introduction? How does that have an influence on things? It comes down to, to kind of time and kind of how many core subscribers you're getting. Well, numbers are manageable. But yeah, like we absolutely have a lot of customers who, as default, welcome all new course signups. Again, free, paid, doesn't matter. They welcome everyone. That everyone's thing has a big hit. And you get two things out of this. Look, it, it does obviously happen with activation. It just blanket activates everyone who's not who potentially wasn't going to activate. The ones that were going to activate, it then really starts to, I guess, pump the whole advocacy part of things, right. whereby someone is like, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, Steve took a minute to welcome me on board. I wasn't expecting that. And because again, you're the, you're the educator, you're, you're the person of influence that will have a huge impact. That will blow people away. And as a result, take the people who are going to engage anyway, they will show their friends and they'll talk about you and they'll be more engaged because they'll be like, I actually know the person who is, who has written this now. The what I was saying at the beginning with me, not coming across that clear, but you kind of get someone 
you know, within like a couple of seconds. Right. Doesn't matter what they say. You're like, this, this is the person. Right. Cause you can't forfeit the thing that's being communicated. And like you said, you know, 90% or more of communication is nonverbal. So if you're just restricting things to emails, well, actually this, this reminds me of something else that I've been thinking about a lot recently because since everybody's been forced indoors, you see a lot more live stuff going on. Instagram live, Facebook live, YouTube live, et cetera. And even in video, like even though video is communicating something pictorially and, and otherwise, there seems to be something about live that's different than recorded. So how this applies to course creation businesses. I mean, many of us as course creators may have created a welcome video, right? It says, hey, welcome. Thank you for purchasing, et cetera, et cetera. But something about that personalization makes all the difference. You know, what do you think that that's about? I think it's time. So I think we want to, you know, time is, is the most expensive commodity. Let's mm-hmm. not joke around. People want to see that you've, that you've spent your time on them. Right. Go back 20 years, you walk into the grocer or the baker, he'd know your bread, he would know what it was for you, and he'd spend his time every morning welcoming you. And so you'd stay as a customer for life. I always use baristas as a good example here in Australia. We have a very big coffee culture. They do this every day, all day long, and they're fantastic. And you will follow a barista to different coffee shops that they move. <laughs> right. You know, like, because you follow the person. You're loyal to um, them, yeah. You're, you're loyal to them, yeah. And obviously their skills are part of that, but the fact that they get you going in the morning is part of this. Now, if you do the live or you do the personalization, people you know, subconsciously know that you've, you've actually had to spend a minute of time on them. The perception is, is distorted. If you spend 30 seconds or a minute welcoming someone, but you say the name, potentially, you know, you might say right. where in the world they're from. And you also, the personalization works two ways, you know, in your garden, you know, with like your dog running around your feet and be like, hey, it's Tuesday morning here. So it's obviously there. The perception is that you've actually invested a lot more than a minute of time into that relationship. And, and this is the point. And then people feel the need to reciprocate on that. That's the value I think really is this is obviously real. This is obviously spent time. And in a world where interactions are online, that's actually quite a rare thing for people to 100% know that you're spending time on them. Yeah, and it, it reminds me of something you say on your about page on your site. Automate processes, but never relationships. And it's kind of like, you know, we, we kind of like have developed this unfriendly muscle when we're on the internet that we see everything, but nobody sees us. So it's kind of like, if you show up to this site and you or this video and it says your name, it's kind of like shocking. You like kind of like, wait, can they see me? You know, it's like, and then because you don't expect it, right? Like we're so used to not being seen, but seeing the other person that when we get acknowledged, there's initial shock, but then there's like, hey, this is actually nice. It's hard to fight with million years of evolution, yeah. Right. <laughs> like, you know, like we're so yeah. we're social creatures. You know, some is more more social than others for sure. And like you said, I, I think the thing times now, the reason you're seeing this more as well is because I think people are, people crave relationships and connection. And obviously we're getting less of that right now, yeah. less face-to-face at least. And yet as humans, we actually need this to function. And so I think, you know, it's a great time right now. You're like, you'll see people open to relationships more. But that said, I think you know, even before this, I do think the industry was moving to a stage where well, the reason personalization was working is because we've all gone in chase of scale and we've used automation. And, we've, and, and again, although most people in the world are good, 
most marketers are good. There are a few bad actors who have kind of filled people's inboxes, etc., and kind right. of got to the stage where we don't know who to trust. And unfortunately, with things like real written communication, it, it's really hard to know what's what's really legit and which businesses are legit mm-hmm. and which ones aren't. And so when you actually expose yourself, and there's a whole trusting as well, you know, if, if you're right. willing to do, do videos with, with your dogs or with your kids or, or whatever else and just say, this is me, you know, thank you. That sincerity also builds trust because people are like this. This is this is not for the moment. Right. <laughs> like this isn't faked. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it it makes me think about you know pretty much like all these emails that I receive these days, especially the ones that come to mind the most is all these emails from airlines. Like, and the first thing I see it's the airline, and immediately the subject line is like something like "We're in this together," and I'm immediately like delete. I'm not even going to read your stuff because I know that's not honest. I know you're not emailing me because you want us. You you're doing that because you got that tagline from the the collective, and you're trying to build it into your marketing so that people fly your airlines again. If you had the subject line, "Hey, like we're struggling here. We really need people to fly on our," I would totally read that email. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but when people aren't authentic, you kind of get a sense of where they're at. But if they don't speak from where they're at, then it becomes distrustful. Course creators are like are authentic. They are experts. They understand what they're doing. Often they might be individuals working, you know, very, very different to an airline or a corporate. I think people like us are driving this. So I think large businesses will have to adopt right. and become more authentic because the small businesses are doing it because it's it, it's it's the way that you compete. Any new business, if you're starting on day one, the one thing you could do that no one else could do is is put all your time and effort into customers. Right. You know, and and be yourself and be unique. And that's it sounds like everyone could do that, but but they don't. And it's actually again it's quite a quite a unique thing that you know that, that is personal to you. Customers love to know that you will go the extra mile for them and that they can trust you. Let's get down to the specifics of implementation here So, and talk about how Bonjour can actually help you do this. So I think conceptually, we've, we've covered why this is important. But like, say people are listening are like, yeah, I'm totally on board with this. I'm interested in spending the time implementing this in my business. What does it actually look like to use your tool to do that for them? Yeah. So whatever you're using, if you're using a tool where obviously you have Members coming in, so new new members, new leads coming in to that. You can generally plug that into Bonjour. So if you use often through Zapier, the reason we suggest doing this is it makes it a lot easier. By the way, you can use the system completely manually, but I'll talk about the kind of the ideal use case. So new people coming into a list, as they come in, if it's plugged to Bonjour, we'll actually notify you depending on the trigger that you've selected. So you mentioned earlier, you could do this with, with a new lead coming mm-hmm. in. So you have anyone comes in new, trigger, and then you'll see in Bonjour if you're using the mobile app or the desktop, you'll get an, a notification that will say, hey, John just signed up and, and started course X. And if you have more information, you can choose to pull that in. So it might it might show you that John is based in, in Dallas. He's already bought the other courses, et cetera, et cetera. If you have different triggers, so if you have you know paid course purchases only, then it would only fire those ones in. Potentially, if you're looking at this as a churn, it might say, you know, if somebody hasn't or was last seen four weeks ago, maybe they're firing and you can choose the triggers. They come in, we pull in information so you can hopefully personalize that. You pull open the app, which is the easiest way to do it. You press record. The information's there. You have everything you need to go and personalize the message. Don't do it in the office. 
I mean, now you can't, but, you know, <laughs> make it unique to you. You know, have some fun with it. Don't be shy. I do mine if I'm, if I'm hiking or walking. You know, I'll do some with with my daughter. But you don't need just, internet just, connection. It'll store it for when you get back. Yeah, yeah. So you need to upload it later on. Record it, upload it later. But each one should take you once again for the flow. I mean, honestly, like for 40 seconds. And then you go on to the next one and you go on to the next one and then you just get them out. Do it once a day. Off they go. And we take care of the rest. So results, tracking, people can then reply to those and engage with them. On each of those videos, we, we allow you to put custom links. So my suggestion there, remember the reason you're doing these. Yes, yes, you are thanking people for joining your course. Yeah, and be genuine with that. And that has its own value. But also give them a next step that you know is great to take. So if you're doing for all course users, again, if you know to go and read chapter one is the thing or to go and complete task A is the thing that will get them hooked, Include link, the link straight through that, and be like, "Go and do this now." Right. Like, just just tell people to go and do it, and they, yeah, and again, you'll get a much larger tranche of those customers and leads doing that action in response to what you've asked. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If you have different users, if you have different customers who are, you know, again, like normal customers are equal. If you have different ones doing different courses or different tiers, you might want to have different links for those different pieces. Mm-hmm. The other thing is. One other way I haven't mentioned yet that I know a couple, couple of people use is actually at the end of courses, they then do a follow-up and the and obviously the reason they're doing it is just to get feedback, see how people found the course, etc. What they're really doing is upselling. So what they're really doing is engage people at the end of the course to get them onto the next course, which if you have multiple courses, multiple tiers, is huge again. But the reason you're doing it and the reason people will do that is because you're taking the time to check in and say, I want to make sure the course was great. I want to make sure you got everything out of it that you wanted. Right. So if you're choosing to do these, because we talked about how it's important to throw in some of those personal details if you have them into the video. Make it short. Yep. Don't don't get too crazy with it. Give a directive. Thank them for whatever they've done that you appreciate. Now, if you're doing this at multiple times, like so say you, you do it during the onboarding at some point and then you want to do it later on, what are some of the strategies to not make the personalization seem robotic at that point? Because, you know, now that they've gotten a second one, they've gotten used to, okay, you're doing this thing. So how do you handle that follow-up conversations, follow-up videos? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of ways. One is, again, if you're triggering this off, off a customer data source, hopefully you could, we have what we call attributes. So we allow you to pull in customer information. Now, if someone is then further down the funnel, chances are that information has changed. So if when they first come in and they're a new lead, you're just saying, welcome on board, where they are. If later on you see that they've done courses X, Y, Z, they've, they've completed this, then what you can do is actually make the video about where they've got to on the journey. So you're saying, hey, look, so I saw you've done X, Y, and Z. How did you find this? How did you find that? So again, you know where they are. It's not just, you know, it's still said the name, of course, but you don't use the kind of location and stuff. It's, it's, it's about the content. Another way is if you happen to have a couple of team members, or if you happen to be slightly larger, then have a different team member mm. to do the second video. We do that a lot. So we still we still do all of our leads. We send videos to all of our leads that come in, just everyone blanket, which is which gets quite hard. But yeah. we have we have a team in different countries. The only way we do it is by fielding them in the states, in the UK, and here in Australia. Different team members will do different parts of the funnel, and so for instance, we do all the leads, but then. 
a couple of teams will specifically do anyone who pays, they will bring on board and say, hey, look, do you want me to go through your account and walk you through some of the best things on setup? This is our activation. We make sure that people activate so that they don't churn down the line. Right. But that's not the same people who are doing the initial onboarding. So we kind of mix it up. We find that it's quite interesting. And then we find that also, you know, when people get a couple of videos from different team members and they're getting the same kind of personality and brand, mm. it's really nice because they're like, this is, everyone's the same. And right. it kind of builds on that as well. Does Banjoro help with that type of routing? Yeah. Like if you have a team, okay. We have essentially like followerization. So if you like, you can funnel different triggers into different folders with different team members in those. So those team members will get notifications at certain points. Other team members will get notifications at other points. That's awesome. Do you have any specific stories or examples of your customers who have made serious improvements to their business using personalized video that come to mind for you? So a couple of ones. I mean, I start with someone who's pretty well. So Pat Flynn is a pretty well-known guy, does smart passive income. He does courses. And I think it's a good example because he is someone who you would not expect to hold on videos with or signups and entrance into his course. He's a pretty big deal. But he will still run these. Every single new course engine that comes in, he will still welcome all of them with videos. Jeremy does them from his, from his kitchen wow. uh, while he's cooking in the evening. Now, the reason he does this is when people come on, they're pretty active anyway because he's a big influencer. He does it so that people talk about him. So the reason he does this is because people share the videos online and everyone sees it and they're like, oh my God, Pat Flynn sent me a video. So they'll, they'll share that on Twitter and then Pat Flynn gets more signups right. from that. So. Yeah, and you see guys like, I mean, Gary V, love more hate him, does a very similar tactic where they will jump in and do the personalization thing on a, on a regular basis. They will apply to tweets, et cetera. The reason they're doing it is a channel for more leads. That's really why he runs it. Nice. One of the courses I do, a guy called Coach Perry, he specifically does it around churn. So he was saying that he's reduced his churn, I think from 3.2 to 1.7% from activating early customers. So specifically, his challenge was that Half his churn comes to people who, who've never even got started on the course. And so he was looking at, at reducing that. I mean, 3.2 is pretty, pretty good. 1.7 is kind of insane. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the, in the, in the course space. So I'm like, so like you're doing pretty good anyway. We have another big photography course where they really focus on upsells and they said their upsells have gone up 25%. They do it later in the funnel. Mm-hmm. They, they do it after someone's finished the course. They run a trigger that when people are getting to, I guess, kind of course seven out of eight or Article 7 out of 8, when they hit that step, then they check in and they kind of do it for feedback. Mm. But then they also have a discount to go on to the next course straight away. Um, So again, very specific. You kind of mentioned this earlier in passing, but I want to go into this in more detail because it seems like it's one of the primary ingredients to this working and maybe feel uncomfortable for people who want to actually do this. So I think there's a contingent of people when they think about going on video they want to produce it as much as possible so that it feels a certain way to them. But what you're saying and said multiple times is that actually the more casual you can do it, the more low production it is. And actually just what you're doing, the better. Can you talk about that? Yeah, like 100%. I mean, me and you have never been on video before. I get 100% like here you are. I can see you there. Like, you know, you're like I haven't done my hair. I'm still out of the shower. It's quite early here in Australia. Like, this is the thing that works because I'm like, great. Like, you know, you're my kind of guy. That's the stuff that works. People want to connect with people. And if you're a course creator more more than anything, again, go back to the point that you're an influencer. You're someone they're reading from and you're the experts. 
knowing who you are really is important, yeah, because people are going to connect with you and be like, oh, well, if John could do this and John's a normal guy, like, I, I could do it too. And this thing about, about Pat Flynn, again, is a good example because potentially somebody will put him on a pedestal, but then when he does this in the kitchen and his kids <laughs> are running around his feet and he's dropping his food and stuff, everyone's like, man, he's a normal, he's a normal right. guy like me. And that, people are like, suddenly, like, I could do that. You know, it suddenly makes it real. Not this this mythical person. It's suddenly like a very normal person. If you do it like in your situ, like people are interesting. The reason I, I do them out in the bush here is because, like, honestly, I know it's unique. Yeah, ninety five percent of our customers are not are not in Australia, and so when I'm doing it in the woods, people are like this is awesome. You know, and quite <laughs> often on a video, if I if the kookaburra starts singing or a cockatoo flies past, I'll try and get it on video because I know that's interesting and unique, and it makes people smile. And that's the stuff that people like. And here we are, you know, this tech company, and then there's, there's some weird dude you know, in a wife beater in the woods. And people are just like, this is not what I was expecting. This is, you know, yeah. I don't have a face of video. So people see me and they're like, well, 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 if he could do it, anyone can. People love that, yeah. This is how you make connections is, is with the transparency. You know, people, people we, mm-hmm. we like and we hang around with are the ones we really understand and really know. You know, when the sales guy or your mortgage broker takes his tie off and has a beer with you. Yeah. That's why you stay with him. Right. Right. And I think it's important to remember this too, because, you know, so much about having a business online can, the gravity of it can tend to pull us away from being ourselves because nobody's ever used to or naturally going to build a business online. It's all new to everybody, whoever starts it. So part of that is you may be looking to others to figure out how you should do it, which is great. You know, you want to learn from people, but there's also a balance there. You need to trust yourself too and bring your personality to it because if you just get into the habit of always listening to somebody else, then you never arrive. You have this mythical place you're trying to get to that somebody else is telling you you need to get to a certain revenue goal, a certain number of customers goal, et cetera. And you're trying to do this with all these strategies, but you're, you're kind of like becoming an automaton of the training that you're receiving. You know, whereas tools like yours, it's a philosophy first and a tool second. It kind of reminds us how in this digital world that we can still bring personality to things and and benefit from it, no matter what size we are, whether we have 10 or less customers or thousands. Yeah, it's like you said off the website, like that really is the ethos we live by, which is, yeah, the whole automated process, but not relationships. At the end of the day, if, if you're going to build a business, don't kid yourself. It's going to suck you in. It'll be a lot of time and sweat and effort. You know, you'll be thinking about it weekends and night times. If you don't enjoy that, you need to go do something different. Right. It's not for the faint-hearted. And personally, I, I don't see why you would do something that you spend. Like I spend more time with my colleagues than I do with my wife, mm-hmm. which I'm sure she loves. It's crazy, yeah. And I'm like, well, why would I do anything that that wasn't giving me pleasure? for that and the thing that gives me most pleasure like at the end of the day is customers coming and saying this is great like thanks so much mm-hmm. like you're helping us here that makes me feel great and it reminds us why we're doing what we're doing and makes us want to go on every day if you just follow you know, the mythical numbers you, you never get them anyway I was right. like oh I need to get to you know $100,000 you get to $100,000 like I need to be at 500 I get to 500 right. like, oh, I need to be those gateposts just keep moving so it, as you said you know, enjoy the journey. It's all about the journey. You know, the customers will make it enjoyable for you and they'll help you build a better business too. Yeah. 
For sure. So what are some surprising things? Because you mentioned like the whole catalyst for Bonjoro initially was that you were just building it as a tool for your business. And then you decided, okay, this is what we're going to do. So like you just kind of indicated, when we start a business, we can prepare as much as we want, but ultimately it's going to take a life of its own and you know, have as much to say in the direction as we do. And so what are some of the surprises that have happened for you since 2017 you started this? I didn't really start with the plan. Mike Tyson, he says, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> like, 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 I love that. Yeah, we, we go with that. And then we've, we've had to learn. We're like, okay, what is it really that we're building here? At the beginning, we're like, we're a video tool. Now I'm like, we're not a video tool at all. Like we're a relationship tool. Uh-huh. The video is, is just a medium. And this is the whole thing. Like, you know, you have proper video where you get all HD and then you have, you have us. It's just a medium that helps you communicate better. What's important is the time that you're putting in. The reason it works is because customers are not expecting it. It shows that you're, that you're there for them. It shows you're willing to put personal time in. And that's what converts the videos to the medium. That in mind, though, we see some pretty interesting things. We did some research a while ago, and I think something like 24% of all the videos sent are done on the commute. Hmm. So before the current time. So a lot of people turn their commute into a time to get work done. So walking, even to the train station, walking to work, grabbing a coffee, they would do the videos on these pieces because, again, it's just them how they are. And suddenly you end up with, with, with potentially a non-productive time becoming very productive. It's very interesting. As you mentioned, the getting dressed up and, and looking your best videos would be the thing that works. It, it, it seems to almost be the opposite. Take the extreme, we have, we have a lot of financial clients. And even those ones, you see in the beginning, they're very proper about their videos. And by the end of it, they are doing them like in the pub. It sounds crazy. It sounds, but, but that's the real them. And that's the point they get to with their customers anyway. A lot of videos not being watched in the day. They're being consumed out of hours. So interestingly, people are, are watching these when they get back from work and in the evening. And it's interesting when you think about that because it's basically you kind of turning up and saying, hey, and you know, being there face to face, but on the user's own time, I think the idea of asynchronous messaging, where it doesn't have to be two two way, I don't pick up the phone anymore because of the amount of the amount of calls I get from unsolicited numbers, like I don't right. like I, like I know what they are, but yet we all do messaging a lot more because it's on our time. It's interesting that this is asynchronous video is on your time, which I think is why it works too. Yeah, we've seen people driving, we've seen people attacked by birds. It's been some pretty funny ones. Uh, I think one of my favorites of all time, someone sent me was a financial client, was was trying to pull a trick off for one of his customers, spinning a ball on his finger. And he is like full suit and tie with like a whole office. And then, and then, and then it, the ball bounces off and he keeps talking and it hits hits a coffee cup, which then smashes all over all the computers. And like, and like the computer dies. Like on his call, he turns around and he's like, <laughs> and then just swears, swears awesome. his head off. And then he's like, I'm going to send it anyway. It just sends it anyway. And, uh, and the client, and he said it was like a brand new person, never met him before. They replied and they were like, I'm in. This is amazing. That's awesome. It's very hard to stage comedy, but when, when you get the comedy videos or when you mess up, send it anyway, every single time, because people will love that. Again, I don't think you stage it, but. No, don't stage it. Yeah. I almost stepped on a uh, tiger snake a couple of months ago. I was out hiking and I was in the middle of a video, not, not looking where I was going. And I heard a noise and looked down and there was a 11 foot tiger snake lying on the track. I lost it. Uh, <laughs> it, got, it caught me quite surprising. Oh my my voice went up about four octaves. Did uh, you send it? Of course did. 
Nice, nice. <laughs> there are archivists of these videos somewhere? I try and dig some out. Yeah, yeah for sure. Because uh, it'd be great. I mean, I would love to see the videos that you mentioned. I mean, if they're available somewhere. Obviously, your client ones we probably can't share, but the ones that you shot, maybe we can include the on the landing page yeah. for the for the podcast. But even this, even the fact that we're getting excited about sharing these videos that you originally shot for your customer, there's a vibrancy to them. The shareable quality of them, like you were saying, why Pat Flynn is doing it. Because there's unintended consequences, positive unintended consequences of entering into this type of conversation with somebody. I had no idea who Pat Flynn was. I'm British and I'm in Australia and he's, I don't think he's huge in those countries. And so when he came in, we just did the same thing that we do to all our customers, which was take the time with them and welcome. And then he ended up becoming a paying customer and la, la, la. And then, and, then, and then one day all these science just started pouring in and someone's like, oh, he's on stage at some huge event talking about you guys. And we're, and we're like, who's Pat Flynn? <laughs> like, who is this guy? Yeah, and then, and then we end up finding out, and we, and we do a few other things in our funnel. So we go the advocacy thing, like we send out bear suits either for them or for their kids when they hit certain milestones nice. on the product stuff. And so we've done this to him and his kids had gone out. He sent us a picture of like his kids at Halloween wearing our bear suits. We still didn't know who he was. But I'd say since then, we've obviously got to know him and understand like who he is and he's been very good for us. But, but it wasn't that we did anything different. It was that we just treat every customer well. We give everyone the best first impression. Uh, I, think, I think if you can do the first impression thing is interesting, yeah, because you have one chance. And if you do it, it actually sets the scene for the rest of the funnel. If you've taken the effort of day one, if you don't ask this on day five, they're going to be more responsive anyway. So when you start to build these things operationally, it needs to be part of a process. Right. So these aren't random and they're not off the cuff. And this is why I've tried to build the process tools behind it is that you continue doing them. And you know, in addition to delighting your customers, you're going to get these moments where something funny will happen and someone will share it out and then people will see that and they'll come in or somebody... You know, who happens to have a massive social media following just happens to sign up and you, you know, you know, you have no idea, but then they share it out. Or someone who's an influencer in a micro niche who tells, you know, 20 of their friends to go and hop on your course the next day. You don't know where these things are. You don't know where they're going to come. So if you can build a process and treat everyone well, there is a much higher chance of you catching those opportunities. That's a great point. So you're running a business just like a lot of us are. And so what are some of the ways that you've chosen to expand your business in terms of the marketing channels you focus on and that you found have worked for you the best? Yeah, so we've tried a lot over the last three years. I think, again, not understanding why we built this, we went out and tested. I think we've tested 13 different channels to date. We've done that to be able to focus down on just a couple because it's a lot easier. Um, is really successful. So for us, what has worked, first of all, is is this influencer piece. So I mentioned that obviously you know, we onboard everyone the same, but what we do is we try and track and look for influencers within our customer base. And by this, I don't mean all Pat Flynn's. I mean, a lot of these are micro-influencers. So for instance, we'll have someone you know, who, who's an influencer in the, in the financial advisory space, someone who's an influencer in photography, in the photography space, or someone who's uh, an influencer in the in the online course space or, or gyms, etc. And we have measures of where we try and pick up who these are, and obviously we get them activated on the product first. But once we've done that, we proactively reach out and engage them, and we end up often hopping on podcasts with them. We end up doing co-creation of content together. Uh, we end up seeing what value we can bring to to their user base if if there's value there, and we try and again 
build a funnel of these. We've also, we also run an affiliate program. This is on advice from the guys at ConvertKit mm-hmm. and Pat Flynn, where we do like a 30% affiliate for anyone that brings us customers. It's interesting, if you ever choose to do this, it's not that people are doing it for the money. Your best affiliates are doing it because they know it's valuable for their customers anyway, and, and the affiliates almost a thank you. Right. You have a lot of customers who end up passing that, that affiliation on. So you have a lot of non-profit affiliates and they just give it all to the non-profit so they don't take any of it themselves. So we've systematically kind of built that out now into process whereby we will get notified if someone is a likely influencer in a certain space and we'll look and see if we can work with them. The second place is content, which obviously like course creators are the best at. So <laughs> we've always run a blog, but the stuff that's really worked for us is long form content. So we've done a few big pieces, which are like 35 pages long around specific topics that align with the ethos again. So we did, we did a piece on delighting customers. So we interviewed you know Zapier and Patreon and Pat Flynn and, and all these guys about how they delight their customers. So beyond video, like what else can you do to create these advocates? We did one recently called the Video Funnel Playbook where we looked at 30 of our biggest customers or, or the biggest as in biggest centers of videos, how they use video specifically in their funnels and what exactly they say, what the triggers are, what the templates they use are. Um, there's quite a few course creators in there. And then we just publish all those out. A lot of the content we write comes from our, from our user base as well. So it's not very hard for us to get great content. We really do leverage those users. And you know, off the back of that, we do things like run a community as well that's, that's pretty active for our own customers. So get a community going. It's super important. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we have a natural viral side that you know people send you messages, people see those messages and come in again. So my suggestion there is with online courses, is obviously you have content going out there. If there's something in that course that people can share out, if there's something that they can get out to their own networks, whether it's snippets, whether it's pieces they pull out, whether it's something that comes as a result of creating that course, that can link back to yourselves, like that is the most powerful thing you could potentially do. Because then every customer ends up becoming a channel for more customers, right? Regardless, and then of course all of those people when they visit you end up going through your onboarding or opt-in sequences, which are then peppered with triggers that lead to videos on Bonjoro. So everyone's always getting about oh, what's the viral coefficient? And I'm like, okay, like the concept behind it is really good. If you can build something whereby every five customers you have or every five leads you have, you know that one of those will invite two more leads. That's ultimately what you're trying to think about is most of our customers, I think something like 70% of our customers are not new customers. They're people who've come through our existing customer base, which basically means we spend $0 on marketing to them. When they come in because they know who we are, they've seen it or they've heard about us, they're much more likely to buy as well and much more active when they first come in. So if you can use your customers as your biggest growth channel, not only is it, is it free, but you'll get a better quality of lead and customer coming in in the first place. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I've certainly learned a lot talking to you and I appreciate you taking the time to come on and chat with me about this. Really, personally, really excited about learning about Bonjoro. I'm launching a, a new course myself right now and I'm using it because of my experience, I'm, I'm using it to kind of test out all these kind of like ideas that I wouldn't necessarily just launch full force into with MemberMouse. So I'm excited to try out Bonjoro on that new course and, and see how I, can, how I can use it. Awesome. 
And obviously, people know that they can learn about you on Bonjoro.com, but is there anything else, any other places that you want to share that where people can learn more about you? Yeah, sure. If you, if you start with Bonjoro, you'll get a video from one of us somewhere in the world. So if you want to experience it, maybe that's it. That's a good first start starting awesome. point. If you want to hunt me down, type in Papa Bear on LinkedIn. That's my, that's my title. I'm the guy in the bear suit. If you want to reach out, no problem. Maybe if we can share a link on this as well. We have that video funnels playbook I mentioned. Because there's quite a few course creators in there. It's it's literally like, do this, say this, write this, use okay. these actions. It's, it's probably quite an easy place to get started. Yeah, so we'll include that link on the show notes for this podcast so that people can get access to that resource. But yeah, awesome, Matt. Thank you so much. It's been great talking to you. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode of our podcast. I'm so glad that you're here and I hope you're walking away with some valuable information that will make a difference in your life and business. I'd also like to thank Matt for coming on the show and being so open about his experience. To get links to all the resources we talked about in this episode, head on over to subscriptionentrepreneur.com slash 149. There you'll also find the complete show notes and a downloadable transcript of our conversation. If you enjoy this episode of our podcast, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. We have an ever-expanding library of engaging episodes just like this one with many more to come. Thank you for being here and we'll see you next time.